Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm talking with my friend Andrew. I met Andrew through his younger brother, Nathan, who was on this podcast a while back. You may remember his episode called Everything's a Process. Anyway, Andrew was a couple years ahead of me in high school, but we've been good friends for a long time, and we even lived together for a bit in Anchorage with Nathan as I was finishing up my degree. Andrew and his wife, Jamie, live in New York now, but as they were dating, they were doing the long distance relationship thing. And so Andrew walks us through that a little bit, how it all came together and how they turned their fifth date into a backpacking trip across Europe. We also talk about how our friendships have evolved over time and some of the ways we make sure that we stay in touch with our friends. For example, Andrew and I are in a couple fantasy football leagues together. If nothing else, fantasy football gives you that opportunity to stay in touch with your buddies, even if it's just during the football season. But it gives you that excuse to stay in touch and to talk crap and to really bond over those experiences together. You know, if you can find hobbies with your friends, you know, that's a good, easy way to make sure that you guys are still doing stuff together. We also talk about how Some of the lessons that Andrew learned when he was being raised by his parents are carrying over now as he and Jamie raised their daughter. I think it's really interesting some of the things that he talks about and and the ways that he's able to see that perspective as they raise their daughter. If you like what you hear, share with a friend, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe so you can get the newest episodes immediately. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Andrew. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Andrew, man. How you doing? I'm pretty good, Logan. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. I got my glass of whiskey right here. Talking to you, I'm ready to go. Nice. I've got a glass of scotch, too, and a uh, my first Oktoberfest of the beer in my nice koozie. Ooh. Domesticated dude. Represents. Uh, yeah. Tis the season. Oktoberfest. Very nice. Yeah. One of the best seasons of the of the year. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I had my first Oktoberfest beer two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Nice. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was delicious. Yeah, it's a nice uh, nice change from all the IPAs that you pretty much can only find now. <laughs> you have that problem too? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, they're pretty tasty, but yeah. Sometimes I like a little sweetness in, in my life. I can drink like one IPA and that's it now. And I feel shame because I used to be able to, that was all that I would drink. It was just IPAs and yeah, the hops is, uh, can get a little rough. Yeah. And then they're 7% alcohol, 8% alcohol. And, uh, yeah. Or like nine or 10 on some of them. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can, uh, they can light you up pretty quick. (laughs) So, hey, man, what's been going on? What's what's the situation? You're living in New York, right? Upstate New York. Um, yeah, just outside of Syracuse. Okay, okay, all right. And that's where, that's where your family is from, right? You have family my, around there. Yeah, it's kind of funny. My mom is from Syracuse. Uh, all of her family, uh, all of her extended family still lives in the area. So we've got a number of cousins and aunts and uncles 
around here. And yeah, it was just kind of funny and happenstance that I ended up here. Did you, did you plan that? Were you like, Hey, Uh, I want to be closer to family or not at all. (laughs) I wanted to be closer to my long distance girlfriend at the time. And, uh, so I moved down here and that worked out because now we're married and we have a kid and a dog and a house and just all the domesticated things that you could think of. There you go. There you go. That's awesome, man. And that's kind of a cool story. Um, I don't know how deep you want to get into that, but um, how did that line up for you? You said it was it was by happenstance. Were you looking for jo- You must have been looking for jobs in the area and found one and close to your wife and, and everything just kind of took off from there. Well, not quite. Okay. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll start from the beginning. We met in grad school through a friend at Florida State uh, in 2008 or so, maybe even 2007. We're not quite sure when we first met. Um, started seeing each other in 2009, right when we were both finishing up. Uh, then for the next, uh, from when I graduated to when she graduated, about a span of six months, we were in and out, like seeing each other, but I was, uh, I graduated, I got a job on a research ship. I went down to South America for a couple months, came back, SAR, went up and worked in Alaska on a temp job, came back and saw her. And then she took off on an internship to London for the summer. And then we call it our fifth date. I flew over to Europe and we backpacked around at the end of her internship for Uh, about five weeks and then just we flew back to Alaska she met the family and everything and then she went back to Florida I stayed up in Alaska Um, we're both looking for jobs and she actually applied a bunch of places and decided to take the opportunity outside of Syracuse and so she moved up here I helped her move up here and uh, so the first We drove up from Florida in December. Jamie has lived up until this point in Florida her whole life, except one year in Michigan. We drove up in December. We got here, it started snowing. It didn't stop for four days, I think. Three feet of snow. And that was her introduction to New York. (laughs) And she stayed, I'm amazed. And she stayed, (laughs) yep. And then, at that time, I had two different job offers, one up in Alaska and one down in Florida. I decided to take the one up in Alaska. So we continued the long distance thing. And luckily that uh, my job paid well enough and was flexible enough with time that I was able to fly down here or every so often fly Jamie up to Alaska to where we got to see each other probably every two months uh, for about a year and a half, close to two years. And then We're at that uh, make it or break it or uh, shit or get off the pot uh, type of point in our relationship where one person had to quit and move, um, something like that. And Jamie was doing really good and really liked her job. I was doing the same thing, really good and really liked my job. She actually turned down a position in the Anchorage Parks Department, much to my chagrin. And after that, I just was like, all right, whatever. And then I took a leave of absence from my job, 
booked it down to New York. And then it took me nine months to find a job in environmental consulting, which was what I was doing at the time. So in that time, I did a lot of biking, a lot of playing video games. I worked at my uncle's maple syrup and Christmas tree farm, learned that trade. It was pretty fun. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't know. Here we are. Here we are. Things just progressed. Hey man, that shows that you were completely pot committed to that relationship. You know? Yeah. My dad said something. I think I said, yeah, I'm going to move down and we'll give it a try. He's like, Andrew, you're not, you're not moving down to give it a try. You're moving down there to make it work. You're not leaving Alaska to give it a try. You're, you're leaving Alaska to go make it work down there. Yeah. And we did. That's awesome, man. That's, that's yeah. a great story. I knew, I knew having you on this podcast was going to be amazing because you have just some amazing <laughs> stories to tell. And that's one of them. You mentioned that you worked in Chile on a research boat for a little while. Yeah. How did, uh, how did that happen? Well, that was very happenstance also. Um, I graduated with my master's in oceanography from Florida State. And there was a research cruise, a two and a half month cruise out of Southern Chile starting in early January. So I graduated in December started in early January. And it just so happened that there was a French postdoc at Florida State who didn't update his passport. So he could have went, but he couldn't have come back. And so my advisor uh, asked me if I wanted to go because it was ran by Florida State. And so I was like, sure. He's like, I, you, you're not getting paid very much. Like, well, how much is not very much? It's like $2,000 for three months. Like, well, that's not very much, but he's <laughs> like, but they're covering your, your flight down there and you don't have to pay for anything on the, on the boat. I'm like, well, I don't care, but I'm going. Yeah. So yeah, I got a crash course in learning uh, how to measure currents using some equipment and off I went. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Have you always been interested in that line of work? Or how did that, how did you know that that line of work, that consulting and the environmental scientist route was where you needed to go? Uh, I would have to say it started two spots. If people remember Colony Middle School, Mr. Clunder and Mr. Roper's uh, combined seventh, eighth grade class, we would go down to, he would always take his students down to Seldovia for a week. Uh, probably couldn't happen nowadays, right. but we'd go down for a week, stay in, a, in the school down there, and then we'd just learn about tide pools and the ocean and plants and animals and stuff like that. That was probably the first, uh, the first instance where I thought, started thinking, this is really cool. The second was uh, Mr. Scharf at Colony <laughs> High, Mr. Scharf. Uh, greatest science teacher ever. Yes. Um, he, I think it was my junior or senior year, he offered a oceanography class and I took it, Kelly Sonnenholm and I took it and we just, it was like a shotgun blast of everything related to the ocean. And it was just super cool and super fun. I really liked that. And being, so, being growing up in Alaska, you're close to the water. So you have that appreciation for it built in already. So now you're learning how everything worked and the science behind everything. I bet that was pretty fascinating too. Yeah. I 
really wanted to do, I, I initially chose to go to school for marine engineering, which I changed my major during orientation because oceanography just sounded really cool. Just learning how it all worked. I didn't think of the practicality at it at the time, but I, I guess it's worked out. Yeah, I would say so. And and now you're living in New York, like we just talked about. You are a scientist there. Um, are yeah. you working from home right now? What's what's your situation like? I am, except for when I've got to go out and do field work, which right now is probably the past couple of months has been two overnights, three days plus a couple of days here or there per month. Nice. So from here, I'll go out to Rochester and Buffalo, Niagara Falls. We'll uh, measure and collect water quality samples on the Niagara River and the St. Lawrence River so that all the water going into Lake Ontario, all the water going out, uh, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. I get to drive a boat around on two of the biggest rivers in the U.S. and collect water quality samples. It doesn't matter if it's 90 degrees and blazing sun or 25 and blowing snow. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> That's cool, man. So you, you are responsible for keeping the water supply safe. Am I understanding that right? Is, is my tiny brain condensing you, that enough? Kind of. I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for just measuring it. Okay. Measuring what is in there. Okay. So yeah. then if there was something that was wrong, you could alert the people who Proper need to know about that. Yeah. People. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. And that that's the job that allowed you to stay in New York a little bit longer. Obviously you were looking for a job for a while and that's what you ended up with. And that was a couple of years ago at this point, wasn't it? Yeah, I came down here at Christmas time, 2012. So coming up on eight years. Man. I've been here. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So you left a little bit after I left back home. Yeah. Um, you left the townhouse and went down to <laughs> Kenai. Uh, Soldatna yeah. And Kenai. And then uh, I'm pretty sure you went down to Seward. And then soon after that, I took off. Nice. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Isn't it weird how, um, a lot of us are not in Alaska anymore. Like I'm sure a lot of the friends that you went to school with back home, they're scattered across the country. A lot of the people that I went to school with are scattered across the country. I don't know if it's like that for people who grew up in the lower 48. I, I don't know. Not, not from what I've seen. Um, so around here, a lot of people grow up and stay around here or they leave and come back um mm -hmm. but yeah we've noticed that J since jamie and i are both transplants here it's a pretty tight-knit community that we're even after eight ten years here we're like still getting into it most of our friends in the area were born and raised here went to a school in central new york and work here and have their whole life yeah so, i've noticed that too and i i've talked about this on a couple of the latest pod cast with, with some of my other buddies who have moved other places. Um, you know, you, you have to crack into those new communities and I'm, and maybe, um, with you guys having, having kids, um, that makes it a little bit easier. I don't know. Sarah and I don't have kids. So like we were still trying to figure out our social circle, at least here in Seward. A lot of our friends are people that I worked with or spouses of people who I worked with. 
a lot of Sarah's friends are teachers here in town and I've befriended them too. And so there's, you kind of have those pockets of people. Um, but since I didn't grow up here, I wasn't born here. You know, there's, there's not really an opportunity for us to just kind of, Hey, we're here. We're here to meet new people type of thing. It's a little more difficult than that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that as you get older and older, it is a little more difficult to, uh, meet friends. Um, I mean, it's almost, it's almost like dating. If you, if you see somebody that you're like, Oh man, that guy, he looks cool. Like I wish I could just go up and talk to him. (laughs) That is really hard. Yeah. Like I feel more intimidated doing that than I ever did asking any girl out. Yeah. Um, Because it's kind of backwards and it's weird. You don't know how they're going to take it. You don't know if they're going to be like, who the hell are you weirdo? Don't talk to me. You know, yeah. I have enough friends already, or maybe they're, they're like, Hey man, yeah, that's cool. Let's have a beer. You know, you, I think you have to find that common interest. And I think if you're at some place like a bar or brewery or something, it's easier to do that. Cause you can yeah. just, you can just bullshit about whatever. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that we've noticed is that, I mean, as, as we're getting older and everything, like people get into their own routines. And so it's, it's not like you're hanging out with somebody every week. Like I'm lucky if I see probably my best friend here once a month. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing so, here. All, all my good friends here in town have kids. It's, you know, they're busy with their family stuff and kids activities and that type of thing. Um, so when we do hang out, we, you know, we maybe go a little bit harder than we w- <laughs> with the booze, you know, than we would otherwise, but just because we know that, time is limited and we need to make yeah. the most of it. Um, yeah. And now we don't have Husker football here, at least at the moment uh, to rally around. So <laughs> there goes an opportunity for that. But uh, I think Nebraskans are resourceful. I think we'll figure out a way to, uh, to find some you drinks. Could always this watch fall. Reruns of, uh, you could always watch reruns of uh, one of those seasons, like every Saturday. Oh, they're going to be playing <laughs> the replays of those seasons and it will be joyous. It will be amazing because you know what's going to happen. Nebraska is just going to roll everybody. <laughs> yeah. The writing's uh, on the wall for that one. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun though. Um, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier is that, you know, even though we don't get to see our friends all that often, we still have those hobbies that we, that we do with friends, with people that we grew up with, Um, like we just started our fantasy football league up again. So that gives us another built in excuse to talk crap with our buddies and just kind of be more in touch than we would otherwise. And I think the emergence of technology has just changed that completely. Yeah. It's pretty awesome because of fantasy football. I've heard from a couple of friends a lot more often than I had in, I don't know, the past 10 years before that, uh, like, especially Jared Navarre. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just constant, especially with him. Cause he's probably offering you a trade like every other day. Oh yeah. And it keeps, yeah, it keeps, I just have learned to keep him on a leash. I hope he doesn't listen, <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. And it's, uh, you know, having some certain activities that you do with some good friends is, even if you don't see them that often, it's not just, it's always nice to be like, Hey, let's get together and go fishing or hunting or, uh, 
shoot guns. I sound like a redneck right now, but <laughs> I mean, it's central New York's pretty, pretty rural, um, but ex- whatever it is, uh, play, I used to play a lot of soccer and that was always awesome. Like every Sunday go play soccer with just some guys for a couple hours. And that was always really good. You get a rapport with them. That is pretty fun. Yeah. And that's, it's an activity. It's not just sitting around drinking beer. Which is, yeah. which don't get me wrong. I love that, but oh, it's really fun to have that activity <laughs> and that, that bonding opportunity. It, it's just that much stronger. Yeah. Andrew, I know, um, as you were going through school and d- during the summers, you would always go out on these epic adventures all across the, all across the world. Um, you've been to Italy, you've been to Germany, you've been kind of being able to travel a lot more than the average person. Um, if you could kind of distill some of your favorite places and some of the things that maybe surprise you about those places, what comes to mind? So Jamie and I have talked about this and I got to say, we love Italy. It's beautiful. It's romantic. The food's great, but the most fun, and we've been there twice and the most fun that we ever have is going to Germany. Like we've been to Munich. We went to Munich for Oktoberfest. Oh my gosh. That was fun. That was on my birthday a couple of years ago. It was super fun. And one of a uh, couple of friends from Nathan's high school group, uh, you remember Tim, the German, yeah. some of his friends, uh, Eric, the German and his group, like they used to come over to Alaska every summer. He lived with my parents for a couple months, uh, use their trucks or something yeah. for like a year. Uh, so he and I still keep in touch. And so we've seen him twice over in Germany now. And it's just super fun. We saw another group of friends over there uh, this last Christmas. And just, I don't know, Germany is super nice. I don't feel like the need to make it a crazy uh, experience over there, like jam pack in everything that you need to. And the food's fantastic. I mean, sausages, who, right? Sausages, <laughs> bratwurst, uh, pork knuckle, who doesn't? I mean, it's just really good food and really good beer. Yeah, I was going to say, and all the beer that you could ever imagine yeah. is there. And it's all really, really good. That's cool. Yeah. And I mean, bonus, it's uh, like an hour north of the Alps. So, I mean, that's, we went hiking in the Alps and it was beautiful. Oh, man. So, oh. yeah, I've, the most fun we've ever had is in Germany. Although Jamie and I together have been through quite a few places in the States. When we were long distance, we met up um, probably three times in various places. And it was kind of funny. We stayed at bed and breakfasts, like 28-year-olds staying at bed and breakfasts with people in their 70s, (laughs) doing all the old people things. And it was really fun. I bet. And then, I mean, we did, we backpacked through Europe, through all of Western Europe, uh, on our fifth date, like I said. And then one year we were visiting Nathan and Aspen to ski. We were leaving that night. It was a snowstorm. We're on the tarmac flying out of Aspen. And the lady comes, the flight attendant comes on. It's like, hey, thousand bucks if uh, you want to get off. Like we're too, we're overloaded and we got to get out of here. So immediately thousand dollars. Jamie and I stood up. We got a thousand dollar voucher each. 
and left. And then we got to hang out with Nathan for another night, which was awesome. Dude, that's cool. Uh, and we got a thousand dollar voucher each. Soon after that, there was an airfare sale and flights to Europe, 450 bucks. So we booked uh, three <laughs> of them actually. And had we had been talking about maybe starting a family. So we, uh, we each got to choose a trip. And then we had been planning a trip uh, to Italy with my family for a bit. So Jamie chose to go to Paris. We went to Paris in uh, that February, which was beautiful. Uh, it was super nice. And that was, we kind of call it that our foodie tour. That was <laughs> phenomenal food, phenomenal drinks. Uh, it was really, really cool. Then we went to Italy with my whole family, which was super awesome. Uh, it was really, really good to see mom and dad and Aaron and Nathan there. That was super fun. And then I chose to go to Oktoberfest which was pretty amazing. And then right after that, we started our family. Oh man. So That's cool. that was really good because we had like a year to get ourselves prepped to be like, all right, we're not, we're not starting a family. Don't want to have a kid or be pregnant at Oktoberfest because we're going. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. That's yeah. man. That lined up so perfectly for you guys to get those vouchers and, um, that's like the best kept secret of flying that my parents always instilled in me. Whenever we would fly anywhere, when you get to the gate and the gate agent is there, always, always go up as long as your schedule is flexible. Ask them if they need volunteers to give up their seat. Yeah. Because you never know what you're going to get out of that. It could be a $400 travel voucher. It could be a $1,000 travel voucher. Sometimes they get really desperate. And if, you're, if your plans are flexible, do it. I've done it multiple times and it's always paid off well. Yeah. I feel like that's something that Alaskans are more attuned to. Um, mm. My dad was always that way. Like, oh, let's get vouchers. Let's get vouchers. I'm going to volunteer us all, like five people on a family vacation. He's like, I don't care if we got to stay another night. It's still vacation. And we'll pay for our flights for the next vacation this way. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Seem to work out more often than not. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like a best kept secret. Now everybody's going to do it. Well, everybody who listens to this podcast is going to do it. So you guys started your family. I guess that brings us up to the timeline now, right? Yeah. So, so you started your family. Did you always know that you wanted to be a dad? I've asked all my friends the same question. So I'm putting you on the hot seat again. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. Um, looking back, I remember discussing with friends my freshman year of college, 18, 19 years old, talking about like future, like, like oh yeah, I'm gonna be married at 25 and probably have a kid soon after that and stuff. Well, yeah, I hadn't even met Jamie at 25. I was still... I was still a little wild at 25, not even close to being ready for any of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it took a bit longer than I had initially thought, but I'm actually really happy about that because I got, I mean, a lot of travel out, got to do a lot of experiences that, I mean, aren't really available quite, aren't quite as readily available to me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, with having a kid and a house and a dog and all of that stuff. So I highly suggest uh, if you have the means, even if you don't have the means, you'll figure it out later. But 
if you don't have the responsibilities, go travel. Yes. Yep. Like, and not for a weekend, go for a month at least. Yeah. I would, I would second that motion. If, if it works with your, with your budget and your schedule, your work schedule, go yeah. do it. I, I had the opportunity to go to Italy um, when I was living in Kenai before it was actually the summer before I moved down here and mm-hmm. it was just incredible. Like being able to experience another culture like that. I um, remember you going. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. Um, you gave me all the, all the spots and I think I even got you, I stopped by one of your leather places there yeah, in Florence that I got, did. I picked you up got me a, a wallet. Yeah. 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 That's the one I use now. Leonardo's I think. Yeah. You still definitely. have that thing. That was like eight um, years still, ago. Still perfect condition. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not surprised really. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, the last time we we're in Florence, I say that like we travel all the time. I've been to Florence three times total. Um, I actually stopped and bought another one. I was like, you know, in like 10 years, I'm going to want to keep using this wallet. And so here's another one. Looking at my first one, I'm like, this thing took like 10, 15 years for it to fall apart. Now I'm on the one that you picked up and I got one for the future. Oh my gosh. So I'm all set. You, yeah, man, you're golden. But that being said, a kid has not prevented us from traveling. We took Florida, Germany to visit uh, Jamie's, well, one of ours, um, one of our best friends who they were, uh, Tim, the the husband was in the military, Jamie's friend, from growing up, Marissa, they got married. I officiated their wedding. We're pretty good friends. Um, we went over and visited them because they had a daughter two weeks before Jamie and I did. Oh, wow. And so they got to meet for the first time. And we did, it was in December. We uh, took the kids to Christmas markets and went around, had hot, hot wine all around, walking outside all these beautiful cities and then going back, putting the kids to bed and just hanging out. It was, it was pretty fun. Oh man. That sounds incredible. And I I'm picturing all the German architecture with just a little bit of snow and just lit up at night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun and it was very different from a lot of our trips before because we didn't really go out at night, which was actually okay because we were hanging out with friends and the days were actually pretty exhausting. Hmm. Uh, Having a one to two year old is exhausting. (laughs) And I mean, they have a lot of needs. We were at one point, like we went into the nearest public restroom, which was uh, in a, in a subway. And we went in there, it was pretty clean, but like we carried Flora around in a backpack carrier almost the whole trip, but she needed to run around and walk some. So we set her down and the first thing that she does is run over to like a uh, little deli. There was a glass pane separating the deli from the rest of the subway. She just goes up and starts licking it. (laughs) So travel with your kids, but I mean, be prepared. That's going to (laughs) happen. That is awesome. She was just really hungry. She wanted some sandwich meat. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was, it was really funny. And we're like, okay, well, what's, what's the point of even wiping her hands down or anything like that? If she's just going to go up and lick surfaces in a subway. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. That's funny. So traveling with a toddler, like you said, they have so much energy and they just need to get that out. 
Um, have you found that you have a lot more patience now as kind of an older guy than if you would have had a kid at 25, 26, have you kind of matured to that point where you can handle challenges like that? Um, that's a good question. I would say probably, uh, I think as a parent, every, every parent will probably understand, but it doesn't matter if you have patience or not, you just have to be patient. It doesn't matter if you want to, uh, or whatever. Um, you just have to be patient. I, I think I do have more patience now, uh, being in my mid thirties than I did 10, a decade ago. Um, and, you know, just, I, I think it's coming more and more as, I mean, we've had Flora for two years now, as we keep having her, things are, we're getting more and more patient with her. And it's now is a really trying time. She's right about two. And just if, if you make her stop doing something that she wants, uh, that turns into a shit show. If you try to make her doing, do something she doesn't want, that turns into a shit show and both of those could be like her favorite things in the world but if she doesn't want it then holy cow yeah like you just have to be patient and just know that i mean sometimes it's like all right well it's time to go to bed or whatever and you just get the fireman carry on a kicking and screaming <laughs> two-year-old to make sure that her flailing legs are above waist level and you just take her up there you just do what needs to be done because yeah. you got to do it yeah um, and the biggest thing i think is just really try not to get angry because that yeah i have to tell myself that constantly because it yeah. just doesn't matter i don't think a two-year-old quite understands what that means right like she if you get upset with her all she knows is that daddy's upset with me yeah but it's just she doesn't the, know why right yeah. It's just a human nature in all of us to, to want to do the things that we love and not do the things that we don't like is yeah. We're still struggling with that as adults. I think, you know, um, yeah. as you, as you grew up, as you grew up as a middle child, what were some of the lessons that you've learned from your parents that you are being able to bring to your daughter now? Well, patience, is definitely one. And then I think the biggest lesson my parents taught me is that uh, the kid, your child is more important than any need that you have whatsoever, whatsoever. I remember uh, the first time my dad took me hunting on Kodiak and my, uh, my pants were super wet and I was soaked and I was cold one day. He changed pants with me that day we're on top of one of the mountains uh and out hunting and he changed pants with me and it was looking back at the time i was like 14 i probably i mean i it meant something but not as much as it means now yeah and then just you know my mom everything that she did uh for us like she sacrificed a lot for us and it i think a lot of stay-at-home moms uh especially our parents like they're not of the, uh, they're of the generation that won't really talk about it a whole time. They just, they just did it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a lot of us don't quite understand the sacrifices that they made for that. So yeah, yeah just being more appreciative of that and knowing that, I mean, pretty much every need of my daughter is more important 
than mine. Yeah. At yeah. The time. For sure. That's something that I've been kind of struggling with. Well, not struggling with, but learning now as I've gotten older and out of college, you know, when I was in school and in high school, my dad and my mom, they would tell me things. They would kind of impart lessons on me. And at the time I'd be like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, that doesn't mean anything. You don't know what you're talking about. But now that I get older, I'm, I'm going through the same stuff, man. And I'm like, (laughs) it just blows my mind. I'm like, wow, mom and dad were a lot smarter than I originally gave them credit for. And for that, I am an asshole. Like (laughs) just coming to that realization that this is, this is what they, uh, this is what they told me. And this is actually what's happening. And and those lessons are applicable now 30 years later it's crazy yeah definitely one lesson that both my parents and jamie's parents taught us and her and her siblings is uh jamie also has a a family of five three a brother and a sister so three three kids we were three kids so it's kind of the same jamie's the oldest definitely see difference in personality (laughs) from that um but as parents, I mean, it takes a lot to try and be fair to all of the kids. Um, and that, I mean, that is really admirable to try and be fair, even when, I mean, a kid's being a brat or mm-hmm. something. Um, and try and treat each kid in equal fairness as they're growing up. And I mean, it's kind of hard for me to fathom, like, how do you treat a five-year-old and a two-year-old the same? Like, be fair. Well, it doesn't have to be fair at that time, but throughout their life, try and be fair. I think it's a lot easier to be fair to a 30, 27, and 25-year-old than it is a 8, 10, and 15-year-old. Yeah, because those needs are so different at those ages. You know, yeah. Everybody needs different um, parenting style. Um, they each have their own learning styles. So that's, you know, you have to kind of navigate all of that. Who's going to respond to what? Um, just kind of walking that fine line. I'm, I'm sure that's really tough. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know quite yet. Cause we only have uh, one two-year-old. So we'll, I'll let you know in like 10 years if we have more deal. We'll, we'll do a repeat. At least you and Jamie both have that background of knowing what it's like to grow up with siblings to, to kind of yeah. know what your parents did and how they were able to handle that. Um, I didn't have that luxury. I grew up as an only child. So of course I was a little shit to my parents. <laughs> and so now I'm looking back, I'm like, you know, I'm struggling with that too. It's like, man, I was a real asshole back then. I, I struggle well, with that sometimes. It makes you feel any better. Uh, we've talked about, uh, I mean, there's a lot of only children who are the reason why I didn't want to only have one kid. You're not one of them. <laughs> Well, I appreciate so, that very much. Yeah. Thank if you. If that makes you feel better. That does. That I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Although I say that, and uh, to be quite honest, it's I think it would be hard to love anything or anybody as much as like we feel the love for Flora. It's yeah. just like I can't imagine having a second kid and feeling the same. I know it will happen, but it's really hard to imagine right now. I could see that. I could see that for sure. And that's probably something that, and, and maybe this is something that applies to all parents is that you don't, you can't comprehend that love until the baby is born. And then you hold them for the first time. And it's like, holy shit. 
yeah. this is real. And, and it and it really just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you say that every like every two months, you're like, this is the cutest time. This is the best time. And then, I mean, you just keep saying that. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I've been told you're like that until a daughter hits about like 11. And then they're like, it just goes downhill. <laughs> so, so we'll see. That's okay. You got plenty of time. You got plenty of time yeah. to turn that around. You'll be, yeah, you'll exactly. be fine. Let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the hot seat again. Do you guys see New York as kind of your, you know, you're putting down roots right now. Do you see that kind of your long-term home or do you guys see maybe traveling somewhere else? Is that something that's been on the table? We have talked about it. And I think that what we have decided is that we should never turn down a really good opportunity um, if it were to come up. But at this point in our lives, we're also like, all right, well, you don't want to pursue something that is not a fantastic opportunity. We both have pretty good gigs here. New York's a, a pretty good place to live. It's maybe not the place that we both envisioned. Um, but to be honest, I'm sure almost everywhere in the world, people will say there's someplace better where I could live. I mean, we say that, but we move somewhere that we would rather live. I'm sure we could say, well, there's someplace better that we can live. Right. Like, oh, we move here and there's no map. There's the mountains, but no ocean. Or we move here and there's no, there's the ocean, but no mountains and no, no change in seasons or it's too cold here, but there is change of seasons. So, I mean, our jobs are pretty good right now and we, we don't really have plans to move, but we're not, we're not against it. I got gotcha. you. Especially, especially like right now, we're definitely here for a couple more years. Jamie's actually hitting like the first period of being vested in her uh, state retirement system, which is crazy at only 10 years. So like, that's a huge perk. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, we're thinking about maybe expanding our family and we both have pretty good uh, benefits from work with that. And yeah, it takes, uh, Jamie's a city planner. It takes her a long time to get to the level where she's at with knowing a place to really, to really be good at her job. And so we don't want to just move somewhere kind of on a whim. We want it to be really planned out and be really good opportunities for both of us. Yeah. That makes a but, lot of sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But we would, um, there's a lot of really cool places that we would that would really consider Pacific Northwest, Colorado, uh, maybe somewhere in California, um, North Carolina would yeah. be pretty sweet. There's a lot of places that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think about all the places that I haven't been to and I keep hearing about them. I'm like, oh, those are really cool. It'd be awesome. And then I think about the town that we live in. It's a town of 7,200 people. We're about 30 minutes west of Lincoln, so we can drive in really easy to get downtown. It's a beautiful small town here. People look out for each other, and we keep talking. It's like, yeah, you know, we really love it here, and I don't know if we could live in any other place, at least in Nebraska, um, yeah. because this is just a perfect town for us and this is where we both landed well i landed here first and she ended up getting the job 
out here and that was completely by circumstance like what happened with you guys yeah um, so it's just one of those things where like yeah the grass always looks greener on the other side but then at the same time it's having that appreciation for where you are and making the most of it and being able to appreciate what you have in your current spot yeah definitely and uh um I think this was one of your last podcasts that I listened to bloom where you, where you grow. Yep. Bloom where uh, you're planted. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, make the best of where you want to live. And I've had not going to like Walzik's love their hobbies. I've had a bunch and Nathan has had a bunch. Aaron has a bunch. Um, my dad, maybe less so, but that's cause he's been planted in Alaska for 40 years. So, <laughs> Um, but I've always found that like, try and make the best, make the most of where you live. And I mean, I like my hobbies. So try and do the, the best hobby in that area for a bit. Mm -hmm. And it makes you really like the area a lot more. I mean, we have, I mean, we have really beautiful falls here with so amazing. So we go camping and hiking a lot during that time period. Um, we have pretty good fishing here. And so I try and try and do that. Uh, the place I hunt is 15 minutes down the road and I know it pretty darn well, like the back of my hand. And so I just go there and it's, yeah, it's a pretty good place to live. Could there be better? Yes. But you would say that about anywhere. Right. I mean, if I lived in Italy or Germany, I would say, yeah, it'd probably be better yeah. place. Absolutely. But when you have that connection to the land and to the people there, um, and when you go out and do things like you've been doing, you really build that extra layer of connection to where you are. And yeah, um, that's kind of the same with me here. I've met a lot of good friends with, through um, softball, through work, you know, just finding that extra layer of appreciation. And yeah, there's no mountains here. But you know what? The cornfields are just as pretty. And I never thought I would say that. It's, it's so weird. Yeah, when you're up, well, I know that there's not a whole ton of hills there either, but we have a lot of farmland here. And when you're driving, like Jamie kind of makes fun of it because when I moved here, I was a bit down on New York. Um, and it still has issues, but every place does. Mm -hmm. But now, like, I don't know. I'm, it's pretty hilly here. I'm at the top of hill and I look out. I'm like, man, this is like Italy adjacent. There's just all these beautiful farm fields and like nice big barns and the weather's phenomenal and the leaves are changing colors and it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yep. You just have to know how to find those places, man. There's, yeah. there are places like that here. Um, just 10 minutes um, east of here on, on the highway that goes into Lincoln, there is a winery and it, I swear it looks exactly like Tuscany, man, with the rolling yeah. hills and everything. I'll send you a picture, but man, you don't, you don't think about that because the image that you, that people have in their minds about Nebraska is just cornfields and fullbacks, you know? <laughs> uh, but once you get off, once you get off the interstate or the highway, man, you go exploring it, just like in New York, you can mm -hmm. find the beauty as long as you're open to finding it. You know, I think that's yeah. one of the other things too. If you are so closed minded that like, you you don't want to see the beauty in things and you're never going to see it. But if you can appreciate it and look for it like us, it's going to be there every everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that every place is beautiful. 
and you just, like you said, you got to find it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Hey man, we've been chatting for a bit. <laughs> uh, we've covered a, a ton of ground and I knew we would. Is there anything else that's top of your mind tonight that we should tackle or is there, um, something that we should save for the next one? I think that we should probably save most of it, uh, for the next time. Okay. That's I, think, a deal. I think we've covered a lot of good ground. I think we got some building blocks, uh, to go up on and yeah, this was really fun. Yeah, man. I've had a blast. The time has just flown by like crazy. We just, I feel like we just started and now my glass of whiskey is empty. I don't know what happened. Uh, I mean, I got a refill. So oh, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> That's just good planning right there. That's mm-hmm. I, I did not have such good luck with my planning skills. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, Andrew, thanks for spending some time with me tonight, man. I really appreciate it. This has been awesome and uh, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, Logan. Of course. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.